Hey everyone, this is our Midweek Leadership Podcast. We believe that as you listen to it, it is going to move your life forward. So get ready for an amazing message. Okay, so you know how uh, in your own life, you have like dreams for your future and things that you see in, the, in your future that you want that you don't have yet. Like all of us have that. Hopefully. And if you don't, I'm praying that you do. Um, because having, uh, having vision uh, for the future of your life is paramount. It's very important. Um, because if you don't have any future vision that's better than what you have, um, there's a lot of things that can start happening in your life that will just lead you down a downward spiral. So you have to have something in your future. Like, uh, I'd love to see this. I'd love to, you know, see this in my family. I'd love to have a date. I'd love to, ha- you know, just all of these things are great, you know, <laughs> like uh, just to have some of these things in, in your future. And it's weird in your life to have that plus have your reality which is not what your future or what you want your future to look like. Um, but in your reality, we are challenged to be thankful for what we have. So do you see they're, they're kind of almost like fighting against each other? Why am I supposed to be thankful for what I have when I'm supposed to be living and dreaming about the future? You know, it feels like I got to live in one of the other camps. So you have people that are always future focused and never, and they're never satisfied with what they have. And so they're like driving themselves into the ground, uh, going for something in the future. Or people are so satisfied with what they have, they get complacent and they never move forward. And so it's so important for you personally to be able to juggle both of these things. We're thankful for what we have, but we're expectant for what is going to come in our future. And you ha- as a leader, you have to have both. So the reason I say this is because if we can have both of this personally, then we can have this as a church corporately. So as a church, we can be thankful for what we have right now. We're thankful for every person who comes in our church. We're thankful for everybody who pops online that uh, comes on and says, hey, how, are you how great is that? We are thankful for that, but we are expectant for some big, huge things in the future, and we hold both of those at the same time, not just at once. So, so I just want to kind of um, put this in, uh, in your uh, attitude quiver so that you can, you, you realize this is, I have no idea why I said that, I just probably made it weirder than it needed to be. Um, but, like, just this is an attitude that will really help you both and. I'm not just future-focused, and I am not complacent with what I have here. I, I'm, I am thankful for what I have, and I'm expectant for the future. Um, because if, if so goes this room, so goes the church. So that's why it's important that you're here, uh, not with just a little sprinkling in your life. You need to make this a priority to be here. Um, you, everybody in this room, not just staff, you have to be here. Um, but past that, I know that you, I know that you want to be here. 
okay? So, but I want every single person who's sitting in these chairs, if it's physically possible for you, you need to be in this room. But I'm not going to force you. I couldn't force you if I wanted to. And that kind of leads into what I want to talk about, um, uh, uh, about this idea um, that you can't pay for somebody else's growth. Um, this, see, I haven't got to talk this for a while, so I'm loaded and ready to go. So hopefully you're, you're ready because, cause I've been, <laughs> oh, good job, honey. You're just good with the words. Uh, ready to grow instead of ready to go. You are a genius. And people who are listening right now and didn't hear anything but just a lot of murmuring and stuff like that, everybody's doing funnies. Okay. Second uh, Samuel chapter 24, verse 21. Uh, let me give a little background here. This is the ending of David's uh, reign as king. He is very much in the twilight of his leadership. He has gone through many victories. He has gone through some harshness with um, his issue with Bathsheba. And um, I didn't know this. I just actually uh, studied this this morning. It was really, I'll probably put it in a sermon somewhere. And I don't know if some of you, you guys probably know this before, but it was really like in, insightful to me that Uriah the Hittite, the one that was Bathsheba's husband, the one that David uh, sent to be murdered, was actually one of his mighty men. He was actually one of his 37 most trusted fighters. That meant that David with Uriah, they went through battle after battle after battle after battle after battle. This just wasn't another person. This is one of his most trusted men that he had in the worst of his time. Uriah was next to him. And David sent him to be murdered. So, uh, so this is like a huge break in David's life. Then God comes and restores David, but there's still stuff that's going on in David's life that is... Uh, that, they, that God says, hey, you, you've sown this now, and so now war is going to be in your family and in the kingdom till, till you pass on. So Absalom comes. There's this whole thing. There is so much in that. I can't even get to all of that stuff that's going on. Um, then there's a couple other people that start raising up trying to fight David um, after the Absalom thing, um, and then David actually has some huge war uh, with the Philistines, again, after um, some of these uh, civil war kind of things happening in Israel. So you can see he's tired. And then there was a thing that happened um, that basically David was saying, okay, I, God, how do I get, how do I save Israel? There's a plague that's happening in Israel. 70,000 people are dying. Uh, how do I stop this? And, and God gave him, a, okay, go make this offering build this altar, um, and I'll stop it. So he's going, so he's like twilight of the end of his years. 
and he's going to make this offering. All of this stuff has gone on in his life. I just want you to feel the, um, the weight of who he is as he's walking into this. And, um, and also just how many battles he's fought. You know? Like, he's gone through a lot. And so, like, a lot of times when people go through a lot, they feel like it's time to rest. You know, like we all, that's all a natural kind of feeling. Um, so this is the verse, uh, verses. Why have you come, my lord, the king? Aruna asked. David replied, I have come to buy your threshing floor and to build an altar to the lord there so that he will stop the plague. Take it, my lord, the king, and use it as you wish. Aruna said to David, here are the oxen. For the burnt offering. So he's saying, hey, take it all. Here's the oxen. And you can use the threshing boards and the ox yokes for the wood. So he's like selling like stuff that he uses to make money. Like he's giving it away. He's like, not only the auction, but even the stuff that yokes the oxen. Like I'm, I'm giving it all to you. And you can make this an offering. And, uh, and you can use the threshing boards and ox yokes for the wood to build a fire on the altar. And I'll give it all to you, your majesty. And may the Lord your God accept your sacrifice. Look, look at this. But the king replied to Aruna, no, I insist on buying it. For I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen. No, I insist on buying it. For I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord that cost me nothing. Nothing. This idea, I mean, if anybody uh, was ready for, uh, ready for a, a, a rest, it was David. If anybody was ready or deserved somebody just saying, here, take it. You're, come on, just, it was David. But there was something in David that said, no, this isn't right. Because if I'm bringing this to the Lord, I want it to cost me something. I, I want it to mean something. And so here, here's the, the issue. Sometimes I feel like we as leaders are not like David, but we're more like Aruna. And we want everybody to come into, and especially when you're leading other people, you, uh, you want them to have this, uh, oh, hey, it's okay, I'll take care of this, and oh, I'll take care of this, and oh, I'll, I'll make sure it's this and this and this, and, and how can I make it the very easiest it is for you to serve in God's kingdom? But the truth is, it's not easy to serve in God's kingdom. And the truth is, it should cost us something. And we should, there should be something inside of us that actually says, no, I want it to cost me something. Because this is, this is to the Lord. This is to God. This, this should cost me some time. This, this should cost me some gas money. This, this should cost me some, uh, some uh, being, uh, trying to rework my schedule. This should cost me some inconvenience. 
This, this should cost me something. And you know what? I'm not sad about it at all. I'm actually glad I'm the one that's making this decision because what I'm giving to God should cost me something. I don't want to have free growth because that's not really growth at all. Now, do I think we need to make it impossible for people to serve? No. Remember what Jesus said. He, he talked to the Pharisees. He says, you put on burdens on people, and they do it all, and they're not even close to heaven. So I'm not saying that we make this place a, a place that um, is insanely hard for, to serve in God's kingdom. What I am saying is I feel like we lower the bar or we can lower the bar of expectation in people's lives so much that they're not growing. And a lot of times we try to make it too easy for people. And we do that because of our care. Aruna wasn't trying to like hurt David. He cared. And so he was, wasn't a, a, a bad person. But in our caring, we're actually robbing people of growth and worship. We're, we're robbing them um, of, of, of the high expectation that they need. Since, since we have all grown with having high expectation, why do we think other people won't grow? Or why do we think people will grow without it? Um, we can't pay for somebody else's growth. That's not your job. Our, our job is to make places for people to rise up to grow where they're, where they're supposed to grow. But if we don't have that high expectation for them and we start making it easy and easy and easy and easy, oh, you don't have to come to huddle Sunday morning? I know that's early. I know you got kids. Well, what about the people that are here at 830 with kids? Do they get an extra gold star? Well, I know. Yeah, it's hard. You know, I, I, hey, I get it. You know, the, and I'm not saying you, you got to have this uh, as a leader. You got to be real careful with this because you could beat somebody up with this really quick. Do you understand what I'm saying? You could beat somebody up. Um, and, and just guilt them into and just make them feel like the worst trash in the world and why are you not here and oh my God, I, I, I'm not talking about using guilt as a weapon uh, to try to uh, get somebody to do. I, I am saying uh, it is really advantageous to have a high expectation for somebody and say, this is where I see you can grow and you can do this and here's what we have. And if you can't, that's, that's okay. I'm praying that there's going to be a moment where you can actually reach that, but it, it's probably not going to uh, be at this moment because we're not going to lower this down for you. Um, I love David's response. He just said, no, this is not, not even close, man. Here's 50 pieces of silver. I, mean, I want to tell you, like in, in the Bible time, this was way overpayment, just so you know. Way overpayment. But David was more interested in saying this. Like, you know, you think about a king. If you threw a couple of pieces of silver, he's like, oh, I'm fine. 
No, but he paid a lot because he wanted it to feel. He wanted to feel something. So this this matters to me. I I think you know if you continually lower the bar, people don't rise to where they need to be. Um, I like to. Uh, I, I always it, it's it's a love hate re- relationship with this when I work out with somebody who's a lot stronger than me. Uh, because I like it because they push me. I don't like it because they push me. You know, like you just, but the the truth is when you're around somebody who has a higher threshold, a lot of times it will inspire you. Okay, I'm going to go a little harder than I normally do if I was by myself. And so as leaders, if we have a high expectation, it's actually going to inspire people to reach up to those things. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. If the Ewans can get here with 18,000 kids, you can get here with 18,000 kids. You can do this. It is not impossible. All the other lies that tell you there's no way you can do this, there's no way you can do this, kids don't act like this, and people don't act like this. And, and I mean, I know there's no way that you're going to have college-age students up here helping and being a part of the different things. They're running around. They're doing their own thing. There is reasons to lower the bar for every age group. Teenagers can't ever think anything. They're going through hormones. They're not going to think through anything. Kids are idiots. They can't think straight. They're not even, they're just running around for candy. You know, there are things all the time that will lie to you to say, lower the bar. People can't make it. But I am so thankful that I had people in my life that had an ex expectation that was a lot higher than even sometimes I had for myself. And they looked at me and said, Ben, you can do better and you can be better and you can live better and you can live higher. And it was those kind of people that had that kind of expectation in my life that helped me keep reaching and higher, higher and higher and higher. And I haven't got there, but I still have in my view, this is where I can live. And this is where I want to be. And this is how I want to live. And that kind of high expectation. Don't rob that from people just because you want to grab a bunch of people and have them around. A group doesn't mean you're a leader. A group doesn't mean that you're leading people. You want to see, not a group, you want to see growth. And so when I was thinking about this, I was also thinking too, um, there are... uh, there are, you know, when you start going through, okay, this is how I'm going to lead, and this is how I'm going to, you know, I, I want to, uh, this is, I mean, this helps you in your job, this helps you in your family, this helps you with your kids. You know, Jess and I, uh, we're wrestling, you know, now with Watson, because he's like growing more and more, like, into a little boy. And, well, it's not breaking my heart, it's breaking Jess's heart. I love it. Uh, but, you know, he's, uh, he's, He's getting more and more of like an idea of what he likes, and he's getting more and more of uh, a way to express that, and it doesn't come across awesome when he wants to just tell you what he wants to do. So we have a we have a decision to make. Do we give in to stop the crying and the yelling, or do we stand firm, say we're not going to act like that? So I'm going to take more time out of the time that I was going to do something else, and we're going to spend some time right now talking. I know you're two, but I'm going to start this habit now 
So when you're 12 and you're acting a fool, it doesn't feel weird to you or me that we're going to spend some time talking through this. Because I have a high expectation for my son to act a certain way. Oh, and when he messes up and totally biffs it and doesn't even come close to that expectation, am I going to shame him? No. I'm going to love him up. And then I'm going to remind him of the high expectation again. So he feels loved and secure, but also here's the goal. Let's go. This is the way I want to lead my son because I, 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 I have so much expectation for him. Why? Why do we treat other people differently than that? Yeah. We think that by lowering the bar, we're showing people love, but actually, we're actually robbing them of love. Because love actually says, I expect this, because you have so much more in you. That's real love. That's real care. Not real love, not real care says, do what you, sure, it's fine. Act like you want. It's okay. I love you. Come on. Yeah. I will not sacrifice to the Lord that which costs me nothing. I just want to make sure that we're not in the business of making people more comfortable instead of making them better. I sure know that Jesus wasn't in that. He said some of the most uncomfortable things that had to make those disciples, I mean, oof, you know, I'm not there yet. He's a little, Jesus was a little more gangster, and so I'm, I'm working towards that kind of leadership. But Sure. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, let me do, yes, and then I'm going to do this next part. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So Jess was saying, how do you do this without sounding bossy and domineering? Um, that was the quick version. Uh, so when you have a high expectation for somebody, um, the first thing that you need to paint a picture is paint a picture of who you think they can be. And that's encouraging because everybody loves to hear that. So second, after that, say, here's the steps that I see that will get you to be that person. So now people see, here's the vision, here's the steps, the step one, two, three, four, five, that I can get there. Third, and this leads into what I was going to talk about, which is probably the most important. You need to say, do you want to do this? Because here's the thing. You can't push people who don't want it. Mm, this is probably one of the hardest things to learn in life because so many of us have so much expectation for people and we care and and so we start kind of pushing and start and some of us who are a little more um forceful in our way that we want people to grow <laughs> will start pushing people in the deep end of the pool just just come on i know you can swim <laughs> So guess what? When they start doggy paddling to the side, 
going and yelling at you the whole time. They hate you. They're not mad at themselves. They're mad at you. You pushed me. Stop. I will get in that water when I'm good and ready. Okay? So don't, don't push people who don't want to be pushed. Don't spend your time and energy trying to convince somebody that it's good for them to grow. So here's, here, here's one thing. First, as a leader, you set the standard. You be hungry to grow. You be humble to grow. And you stay teachable as a leader. You read more books. You spend more time asking more questions than giving more answers. And, and keep saying, man, I, I just need more. I need more. And, and the more you do that in your life, the more that will spill out to the people that you're leading. And they'll keep seeing that you're like, man, I don't know how I'm do, uh, to do all this, but I'm asking questions. I'm trying to grow. I want to grow. And you know what? When you have that hunger to grow, guess what happens? It will start going into the people. People that you're leading, but if you're not hungry to grow, ain't no way the people that you're leading are going to be hungry to grow. So you're wondering, why don't they want me to push them? Why don't they want me to push them? Why don't they want to grow and get up that high expectation? Do you want to be pushed? Do you want that high expectation? No. No, well, you got your answer. Like that's just that's just leadership. Like you will always reproduce who you are, not what you say. Um, imagine if um, the dude, uh, Anuna, or, or Anuna, or I don't even remember his name, some, or, started with an A, tried to make David pay if David didn't want to. Imagine that. If David walked in, hey, I need the threshing floor, I need this, I need this, I need this. Uh, and he'd like, oh, yeah, that'd be about 50 silver coins. David's like, I'm the king. Kill him. Don't try to push somebody who doesn't want to be pushed. Don't try to lead somebody who doesn't want to grow. It doesn't work well. Do you, do you stop caring for them? No. Do you stop praying for them? No. Do you stop giving them opportunity? No. But, but you've got to know your threshold of saying, okay, I've gotten to this point, and that's it. And, but also, don't just ghost them after that. After, after you've tried to help them and they kind of push back and say, I don't want that, don't just, fine. You don't want my help? You ain't going to get my help. And back away, don't answer them, don't talk to them anymore. Don't. How do you think that's going to be good for them? You need to explain to them what's happening at this moment and say, listen, I love you. I care for you. I have this high expectation for who you can be. It's going to frustrate you and it's going to frustrate me if I'm continually pushing you and you don't want to be pushed. So if you feel me backing off a little bit, this is me giving you space to you until you come back to me and say, hey, I really do want this. And, 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 and listen, I'm still here. I still care. We we'll still talk, all that kind of thing. But the kind of like going to the next level, those pushing conversations, the deeper things that kind of like um, 
that are really getting into the core of who you are, those conversations probably be less and less and less until you kind of more, more initiate some more of that stuff. And then you ask, what do you hear me saying? So you can be really clear with communication so people don't think you just ghosted them after they push back on you a little bit. Because if you drop the communication then, then guess what happens? They say, see, I knew they didn't care about me. All they wanted was something out of me. They just wanted me to do some more work for them. So I knew knew it was just, they, they had a lot of pretty words, but they didn't really mean it. You're trying to cut off that deception with a lot of communication. Does it work all the time? No, sometimes people will still be crazy. So don't think like you can just communicate your way out of people's dumbness. Like sometimes just people are, um, are hard to deal with because, right, we're all hard to deal with. Right? You know? So, yeah, we're all, we're all people and we all have pride and we all are trying to work through it. Um, okay, so l- let me just... Uh, highlight a couple of things really quick. Good. Uh, a couple of things really quick that help you. Um, the, these, this will help you uh, identify people who want to be pushed. This will help you identify this. So when you start seeing these kind of uh, pieces, you'll be like, oh, this is awesome. They, they're, they're, they're going. They're going. Okay. So one, um, you don't have to tell them to accelerate. You, you, you are not the person who's always saying, go do this, go do this, go do this, go do this. They're already doing it or wanting to do it. If you find yourself with your leader, uh, the person who leads you, if they're always telling you to do this, go do this, go do this, go do this. Hey, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. Some of you should ask, am uh, where's my accelerator? I, I think I'm getting pushed a lot more than I should be. Because listen, this will really tire out you as a leader if you're constantly pushing everybody. And you're always like, come on, come on, come on, come on, look at me, I'm running like this, come on, come on, come on. Oh, that will annoy the mess out of you. And so you don't want to surround yourself with people that um, literally have the emergency break all the time. So, and, and also know this uh, from, from people who are being led. Uh, it's easier for your leader to pump the brakes on you than to get you started. Like they can just say, oh, that, that's not what I meant. But I love that you're moving. I love that you're moving. So let's, you know, so just keep looking um, for people that you don't have to uh, tell to accelerate. Better to pump the brakes on people than to tell them to speed up. Uh, Excellence should bring energy, not exhaustion. You got to look for people who love excellence. And when they're running after excellence, they're not like, oh, another thing. This is exhausting to me. You gotta look for the people who like, when they're like, no, let's, hey, let's make this, and then let's get this thing up, and then let's do this thing over here, and it kind of starts getting them a little high with energy. 
You know, they're just like, yeah, 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 I like this. I like, okay, come on, let's keep pushing. Let's keep, and then when they're done, they're like, look at this. It's awesome. That's the kind of people you want on your team. That's the kind of leader you want to be. Instead of like, you know, eoring it through, just, oh, I guess I'm going to do this thing again. We got to make it good, and it's going to be excellent. We got to do this thing too. I'm so tired. Like that will kill so much of your leadership. Um, I, I heard somebody else say it like this. Uh, you just understand the fact that it can always be better, and it invigorates you instead of exhaust you. Um, I, I was thinking about this even when Joe was testing the mics on Sunday, and I'm sitting there talking forever. Just And, and then Alvaro, too, is just sitting there talking forever. I was so happy doing that because that was somebody, Joe, who was like, I want to make this excellent. And like this, let's just come on. Let's just keep getting it. And there's just this little ring in here where so many people in this room would have been like, that's good enough. It's fine. But there was somebody in the back that's like, no, this kind of invigorates me. I like, I want to get down and make this real good. And does it cost me something? Heck yeah, it costs me something. But I'm good with paying this because I'm not going to give anything to the Lord that doesn't cost me something. And so this excellence starts invigorating you. Now, I also want to say on the other side of this, don't let excellence start becoming your goal above people. So you're just about a thing and not a person. Uh, That'll kill your team too. So you, you got to understand the differences. I don't have the time to talk through all of that. Um, the le- uh, next one, uh, you're looking for people who are hungry but not thirsty. They're hungry to achieve, but they're not thirsty for affirmation. Meaning, you got people on your team that love just to do the job, but they're not just looking for always attaboys all the time to feed their, their broken ego. Pet me, 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 pet me. Stop. Like, we're a very encouraging church. And that's awesome. And that will never stop. You're going to get encouraged right in your face all the time. And that's, that's never going to stop. And I love that. But... Uh, I don't want that to morph into something where people are always looking for that instead of, I'm just, I'm just good with doing stuff. And then the moment they don't get something and they didn't hear something from some leader that said, hey, way to go, they're not walking around just pouting all over the place. They're just using me and they're just doing this stuff. That's not, that's not the attitude we're trying to focus and foster. So when people are hungry, you're just like, hey, let's build this. Let's build it. Let's move forward. Um, last one uh, is you want to look, peop- look for people. And these are all things that we want to be too, just so you know. Um, uh, you want to look for people and be the person that can rest well so they can work hard. Self-care isn't, I heard Levi Lesko said this is so good. Self-care isn't selfish. So learn how to Sabbath well. So most people who rest well plan 
for it. And when, when you make a plan for rest, you're going to probably find rest. But those who are sloppy with rest are also sloppy with work. And so they're, they're all, so listen, so what happens is they're always attacked by the urgent and not the important. And so, so what happens, so what happens is you, you can't ever rest because you're so sloppy with your work. You keep running into things on the time that you want to have rest. But it's just urgent, it's just urgent, it's just urgent, it's just urgent, it's just urgent. And so you're never working on stuff that is really important. You're just working on stuff that's urgent. And then you feel like you never have rest. And that's where, this is where you start running down the burnout train. Because you never learned how to rest well. Um, that people always feel, uh, these people will always feel tired and even when they get rest, because they aren't organized with that work, and they can't rest well, because they're always worrying about the work. Because they hadn't organized it right. So you can't ever turn your brain off. Because you're always like, I did, I did, I did, I did, I did, should I do that, should I do? That's not rest. That's just anxiety as you lay in bed. And so you, learn, you need to learn how to rest well so you can work hard. Because so, when you rest well and have a day where you really are like, mm, I rested, baby. I rested the crap out of that day. I, I just, guess what happens the next day? You are fired up. You're ready to go. Your boss is like, I don't know what you did, but this is awesome. Just buy me some of it and slip it to me because this is awesome. Where are you? What are you? What'd you do? I just rested well. I, I just learned how to rest well. But staying up till three in the morning watching a movie thinking you're resting probably isn't resting. You know? Like, there's got to be some parameters, and I'm not trying to be like, tucka, tucka, tucka. I'm just saying that there are some things that you can put in your life and say, man, I just, I, I'm going to make sure that these priorities, because I, I want to kick tomorrow right in the teeth and run real hard. So then when I get back to the rest day, I'm like, oh, baby, this is just going to, I mean, it's just waffles and pillows and just everything awesome. Uh, just because you know this is how you do life. Instead of like just running yourself ragged until the moment where your body and your mind and heart just say, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. And then you're just done. And people are like, what happened? And Because you didn't rest well. Uh, I could talk more about that, but I'm not going to. So, um those are things you want to look for in people and you want to be. Because if you are them, that will help uh, translate into the people that you are leading um, already. So love you all. Thank you. 
Hey church, we hope this message has pushed you forward in your leadership and your relationship with God. We can't wait to see you this Sunday or in a connect group. Have an amazing week. We'll see you then.